Hello folks, I'm Elijah. Today on the What Are You All About podcast, we have Chris Bernstorff. We discuss everything from how he became a poet to um, how the alternative music scene has influenced him to things like his faith journey. So this was a great episode, lots of beautiful things discussed in it. It was There was lots of great poetic ideas and beautiful ideas about Christianity. So I love this one. And yeah, Chris uses a bit of strong language in it. So if you want to take a miss on it because of that, that is all right. But yeah, let's do this, folks. Hello, folks. I'm Elijah. Today, we've got Chris on the podcast. Chris, how are you doing? Good. Yeah, it's good to be here. Good. So on this podcast, we discuss what folks are all about, essentially what they're passionate about. So Chris, what are you all about? <laughs> I thought about it before I came. That's uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope all I'm about is Jesus. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, um, fitfully and imperfectly and always growing. But yeah, I hope uh that everything I do in my life uh so like my main thing is that I'm a spoken word artist yeah um but I also I work at a restaurant uh I'm married I have friends like I hope everything that I do brings glory to God and hopefully uh like reveals the character of God and the hope of Mm. Christ I have a friend uh Kevin Shalareth and he said his art he said he hopes his art kind of like points at God and says, oh, like, this is what he's like. And I think mm-hmm. that's what I hope to do with my art. So ever since he said that, <laughs> I sort of clicked and stole that. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I hope that's what I do with my art in my life. Yeah, it's a very good poetic answer. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. On brand. Yes. So what's your faith journey been like? Were you raised in the church? Did you get converted at some point or... Um, yeah, I grew up in the church uh, my whole life. Uh, I had, I think the earliest experience I have like that I can remember was I was probably like I always default to age seven. I don't know how old I was, <laughs> but like I was I was really young and I was standing at the bottom of my driveway and uh, I just remember saying, "Man, all my friends uh, say God's name." in vain I'm not gonna do that anymore Mm. and uh I was like a little 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 kid so like I wasn't reading the bible or like contemplating sin and eternity or whatever um so like looking back that's always felt like oh man that that feels like something that was outside of myself that was like God's hand on my life um and then yeah I grew up in the church and I've always believed um but when I went to college I sort of a combination of like suddenly what you believe either has to like be true or not true for you because mm-hmm. you're that was the first time I was away from home and I was sort of like a quote unquote adult um, <laughs> and uh, yeah like suddenly there's nobody to check up on you and, and you are sort mm-hmm. of responsible for how you act and what you believe and what you orient your life towards um, so it got really real for me in college and um yeah, I, I grew up playing sports and uh, I was raised with like a very um, sort of like masculine uh, aesthetic or something of like, yeah. oh, you always have to put your money where your mouth is. And I got to college and I was like, well, I say I believe in this God guy, so I better either 
really do it or really not. And I got exposed to some Christians that were like very, very sincere. And I was like, man, I like say, I believe all the things they believe, but I don't really do much about it. So I either need to decide that I really believe or probably move on. And I, uh, (laughs) I decided like, man, I really, this guy is real. And so yeah, I started trying to do something about it, but I didn't really know much. So it's been a, yeah, like a journey since then of knowing God more and also finding out how dumb I am and then finding out how gracious he is and sort of that on a cycle. (laughs) Yeah. Is there any like key moments from college till now that you'd want to share? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I get nervous. I'm a talker and I, I just I don't want to talk too much. <laughs> um, yeah, so I um so I grew up in in a suburb of Washington, DC. Um, and I grew up with a two-parent household and just just really like a wonderful life. And um a lot of the sort of rhetoric that I grew up with from everything from my own parents to like watching like Pokemon and kids' cartoons, like was oh, if you what you should do is try to be a really good person. And what you should do is try to change the world. And if you put your mind to it, you can do anything you want and you can change the world. And so I went to college because where I'm from, if you're good at school, you just go to college and that's just what you do. Um, I I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I told myself that I wanted to be a museum curator. um, And then I with my parents help like they were like oh you should start exploring it so I applied and got an internship at a museum and then I was like shoot this is the worst (laughs) and so then I went to college (laughs) and I was like well I hate this I don't know what to do now because I I I love history but I I, working in a museum was just painfully lonely Mm -hmm. and I really like people and talking to folks and being being around not lifeless objects and so I I sort of floundered for a bit my my first semester into my second where I was just like man I want to change the world and I want to do a really good thing and essentially I went to like apply for a major but there was no course path of study that was like change the world and then and then I was like oh I have all these dreams I want to make the world a better place and 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 everyone was very nice but essentially it was like you stupid idiot I can't believe you believe that like no don't do that get a job provide for yourself be very safe and then hope everything works out and so I was really disillusioned because I had bought the the rhetoric like hook line and sinker of like yeah just you can change the world and then it turns out it's very hard and there's no one to help you do that um, and then I took a creative writing class just for kicks. I needed the credits, um, for my art distribution. And, yeah. um, I'd been writing poetry sort of like in secret since middle school. Um, I wasn't embarrassed about it. Like yeah. it wasn't a, a Troy Bolton high school musical sort of thing. I just, like, I just like to do it. And that was sort of something mm-hmm. I did for myself. And, um, so I took a, a creative writing class and, um, one day after class, Uh, I was just, I remember like I was just sitting at my little spot at the table and then this like table appeared in my mind and everything on the table cleared. And then there was just the sentence, I have to be a poet. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And and, I, I didn't, I like, wasn't super close to God. Like, I don't recall attributing it to God or anything like that. I was just like, 
well, yes, this is what I have to do with the rest of my life now. And at 18 years old, I just was like, that's it. I heard this one sentence inside my mind that will guide everything I do for the rest of my life. And so I, uh, looking back, there was just this like deep peace and it was so simple and clear and, and it like, wasn't from me. And I was like, oh, like that's obviously God like intervening in my life. Um, and so then I just started trying to be a poet. Uh, I grew up playing sports. I, I don't, I didn't know anything, like literally nothing about what poets did or, or how, what that even meant. Uh, so I started uh, trying to um, read places, get published, and and I figured I would get, pursue a master's in fine arts, which is like, in America, that's what you do to be a poet. Like you get an MFA, and then you get a doctorate, and then you become a teacher, and then you publish books. And so I was like, I guess that's what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> and I had I like just unrelated to anything had fallen in love with alternative music at the end of high school. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I love it so much. And I, uh, yeah, yes. I, I, I was working out in the weight room with my weightlifting partner and he like played out the intro riff to, in regards to myself by under oath, like he just air guitar it. And he's like, Oh yeah, dude, I figured this out last night. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like <laughs> this is what music is. This is the coolest thing. And I had just sort of been in love with it on the side and, um, through indie vision music, which is like a Christian alternative music website. I, uh, discovered this guy, Bradley Hathaway. And, uh, I, I hated it. Like, like I heard it and I was like, this is terrible. Um, but then it like hooked me in this really weird way. Cause I'd never heard spoken word or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And a couple of weeks later, I remember being like, ah, like I need more of that. Like, let me just check this guy out again. And I, um, I saw the video for his poem, manly man. And it took me by the throat in a way I'd never, ever experienced. Like it was the most arresting thing like it just stared me in the eye and I had to listen and I was like dang this is the most powerful thing like the poetry table thing had already happened so I was trying to be a poet but then I saw this and I was like poetry is so powerful Hmm. um and then I fell in love with Bradley's work and then I found this guy Levi the Poet and this guy Eric Darby yeah yeah so like all the people and (laughs) and I like just consumed and consumed spoken word. And then I was studying poetry. And then I felt like eventually I was, I I read, I got myself a gig, um, like reading my poems at this little arts gathering festival thing and where I was from. And I read my poems with a microphone piece of paper. And I was like, man, like my poems just like have so much voice. I feel like I can't give to them, like standing still reading them from a page with a mic. I think I'm going to memorize my poems like Bradley did. And because I had seen Bradley and Levi and listener, I was like, Oh, this is like, this is a thing people do. Like it could happen. And so I started working on memorizing my poems and performing them just like from memory. And I was really animated and wild because that's like (laughs) what I thought was really cool. And um, yeah, I sort of just like started trying to do it. And my thinking was like, man, like Bradley and Levi and Dan Smith have like found acceptance and, heavy music and I kind of like screaming music. So like, maybe, maybe they'll take me. And so I started (laughs) trying to play shows uh, and I started organizing some shows like once a semester in in the town I went to college at um, and just kind of going anywhere I would get a chance. Yeah. And then that sort of like started 
um, my like, I guess, career. <laughs> yeah, like, um, yeah, and I guess uh, one other like really powerful God moment, there's been lots of them, um, but I was, so fast forward, I started touring and doing whatever. Um, and I was uh, 24, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I was on my first like full big country tour or whatever. And I was hanging out yeah, with this guy, Kevin Shalareth, and he was really kind and had like helped me. He got me on all of his shows in Oregon. So I was able to like play some shows in a place I'd never been. And we uh, we were hanging out one night and our friends have this song that's like essentially like hey Judas it's like cool it's cool that you betrayed Christ like somebody had to do it and you're forgiven and you know it's all right and I was like oh man that I didn't know that much about God (laughs) but I I certainly talked about him a lot uh was really good at talking about things I didn't know super well um but that song like really just felt weird to me and so I talked to Kevin about it and I was like man this just like feels weird but I don't know why like I don't know what to make of it and he was like oh it, it's because it's because Jesus when Jesus was asked about Judas he says it would be better if he was never born and that's not what we want Jesus to say because that feels awful and and somebody <laughs> did have to betray him for it to happen and like that's just that sucks you know um but that's what Jesus said and like that's probably why the song feels weird and so we were talking that night about a bunch of stuff and Kevin sort of just said like, oh yeah, like when we, when we say God is good, what we mean is that God would do what we would do. Um, Mm. But really God is good means that good is what God does. Like God is the definition of good because he's Um, self-defining. And that just ruined my life. I I went into this terrible, I was in a sleeping bag on someone's floor, which is like always what happens when we tour. And I was just laying there and I was like, shit, like, what do I do? Like, I'm out here. I've like dedicated my whole life to preaching the gospel and like trying to share Jesus through art. And if this God guy is just going to save who he's going to save and do what he's going to do, like, what am I doing out here? <laughs> it's like, it, I went, I didn't stop believing in God, but I went in this horrible, like three day spiral of like, I don't understand anything. And this like mm. ruins everything that I thought about God. Um, but it was really special. Cause that was one for a couple of years in a row, like every year, God just destroyed my foundations and anything I thought about him and then like built me back up. And it was this really cool um, experience and change in my life where I felt like I didn't understand anything, but then somehow God was still there and Mm. gave me this like real comfort of like, I don't understand you, but you're there. And I know you love me, uh, but I don't get it. And it's very scary. And and I think he like built me back up and understanding. And I think I grew to understand more about his, his agency and our salvation. And, and the fact that like, he is making himself known to the world. And so like his love for us isn't because we're so valuable, but rather because he is so good and his, he's more than me. And I, I think it's, it was special to learn that you don't, I don't always have to like what God does or feel comfortable with what he's doing, but I had this really like strong sense of like, I don't, I don't like this, but I think that somehow like you're still so good and and you're more than me. And so I'm 
you've been so good to me and you've loved me in these really dark times in my life. Like, so I'm going to love you and trust you, even if it's not what I would do. And I don't get it all the time. Um, yeah. And that sort of started this like long and painful and slow shift as I like learned more about him. And I think, I think a lot of what I thought about God before sort of ended up with like, oh, and he should love me because I believe in him. And because he loves me, I must be so valuable. And, and it sort of like now I think like, oh, I just, I just don't even matter. Like I, like God is so good and I'm so privileged to look at him in his glory. And then like, yeah, I, I just feel like removed from the equation in a way that's been really good and, and holy. <laughs> that was a lot of words. That was a lot of words, but it was good. Like, folks, come on the podcast and then afterwards uh, say sorry for talking too much or ask if they did. I'm like, I literally asked you to come onto a podcast (laughs) to talk. This is what I'm asking for. (laughs) So thank you for that. (laughs) 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 but yeah there was a lot in that I'm trying to think where do we go from there (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) right so maybe one place we could go is like how would you explain what God is to you now if that makes sense as a question yeah um yeah I think I think the major shift for me it has been that like that like positional movement or whatever um of (laughs) it's it's so silly um it's like I, I I'm always sort of like struggling to contextualize my life because it because it's like it involves like such like specifically niche culture or whatever yeah um but I think so I like when I got involved in music um was probably like 2008 2009 when I was sort of like aware of music culture and stuff um so like try it love in her arms was still really big um I guess it was like really big and like Tom shoes was a big thing and I think um it's it's like a horribly reductive way to put it, but I think it captures a specific moment in time. Um, I was talking to Kevin one time, and he was like, "Yeah, like I think, I think he used to really he used to make art that was sort of like, hey, you matter, don't kill yourself art." And, and it was like, a, and that's like a perfectly like valid, valuable yeah. thing because like suicide and mental health are really real issues. Definitely. Um, but then I think like. Like, I think my version of the gospel was, was sort of, it was like fixated on like, oh God, like how much we matter. Like you shouldn't kill yourself. Mm. Like you should keep living. Yeah. Like you should be because, because God loves us so much and like you're loved and you matter. And I think those things are really important. Um, but when I, the more that I've been removed from the equation, the more that I've felt like, oh, like all of existence is, is God making himself known and like Mm. telling this story of who he is um like I it it, my life matters like the question I don't even ask 
oh, do I matter? Like I asked that so much less because, <laughs> yeah, because it's like, yeah, it's like, like, because that ends with me and it, like, that's so, um, it ends up being this like really egotistical thing. And there's been so much more freedom in recognizing like, oh, there is this like entity that is indescribable and endless and so beautiful and and what he does is that he makes and he like makes this beautiful endless expanse and then decides to care about something because you know like we I don't even know if we know if the the universe has an end or if there are many universes you know like like <laughs> yeah. the void is the void is huge and <laughs> and then in this tiny little like insignificant place there's this tiny little creature called man and and this god that speaks stars and like walks the void like like cares about yeah. these little tiny things and and then and then what kind of god is he that these little things decide to ignore him or hate him or make their own version of him and do what they want and and what he decides to do to fix the problem is to kill his child and it's like like the kind of god that like I saw a quote once at somebody's house in a recording place that was like the Christianity is the only a major world religion with the humiliation of its God as its central mm. event. And I think, yeah, like recognizing like, oh, this God um, is, is going to punish all evil that we perceive, but then, and don't perceive, but then he's going to do it on him, on his son, which through the mystery of the Trinity is also himself and and he's going to crush evil and give life for free like like we don't even participate in the equation except that we kill him right and, 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 and so he's gonna like grant like like our existence is this gift that we didn't ask for but it doesn't even matter if we don't didn't ask for it because i want it so bad to like be present and witness the glory of this creator god who who loves us so much and who would humble himself to the most humble from the most high to buy back his creation and to punish evil and like all of that to reveal himself like that that is what kind of entity he is like that's that's crazy shit and that's so it's gorgeous like it's incredible yeah, and it's and I like my problems and become so small and my worries about my existence are so small because like somehow I am some momentary little wildflower blooming on some remote mountain and I get to see the sun and it is so beautiful and I'm so thankful <laughs> and like like that's so good and baffling and strange and humbling and beautiful and existential and also so present and real all sort of wrapped up at once <laughs> yeah like <laughs> It's magnificent. Yeah. So maybe he's something like that. <laughs> yes. I, yes, that was a very high quality answer for sure. <laughs> it's just a tiny bit like that. Like there's a lot more. <laughs> yes. Sounds like you could probably write a whole book on that. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to write this stuff about it. It just never, it just gets little tiny specks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I uh, would you say that poetry is kind of like a way for you to try to 
express all these big thoughts in a more concise way yeah yeah i think i hope so and i think um there's this poet uh yusuf komanyaka and he he taught my teacher and then he also had he's he i saw a quote from him that poetry is a way of talking around a something and by talking around it you say so much more about it than you would by talking about it um and i yeah i think of i hope my poems like capture but you know like god is infinite um but then we can talk about like a, a portion of his character or like something that he's done um or something specific and then like by seeing a moment or something specific a tiny piece of it where like it's like the window into like seeing this bigger entity. And so like, yeah, I think if you make a poem and and you express some something that's true, anything that's true, like Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth and the life. So like, if you say something true, you're saying a part of something that's of God's story or who he is. Mm. So then you get like a little window yeah. that pulls you hopefully into the bigger thing, like the, the larger truth that exists outside of it all and also that encompasses all of it yeah <laughs> yeah I that makes a lot of sense like I've not thought about that to like right now but that is an amazing I <laughs> thought <laughs> concept whatever words yeah you can put that so let's go back a bit what inspired you to start doing poetry way back in middle school um i was in eighth grade and that's like the first memory i have of it okay. um we were doing like a free writing exercise or something in my english class and i just remember being able like i couldn't i can't draw or anything like that but i i remember being able to think like i, I was like i can see a scene in my head and I feel like I can see it and then make it come out of my body onto the page with words. And then I think that was my thing of like, Oh, like that's really cool. And then I, it, and it's a little, it's a little silly, but uh, I found out that poetry didn't have to rhyme that like counting syllables and having meter structure or whatever could, could count as a poem, I guess. So yeah. I was like, oh, well, like I can see these scenes and make them come out. And then I can, if, if, if all you have to do to make a poem is count the syllables sometimes, then, then I can like, <laughs> uh, I could probably write some poems. And then, then I started doing it and, and, you know, it's trash. Like it's just silly, like, oh, I love a girl. She doesn't love me. Like, isn't the ocean pretty, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. <laughs> but it, it, it like helped me. I just really loved it just earnestly, like for the sake of it, it was so mm. fun and beautiful to me. And then it did help me like process, you know, yeah. Like not being liked back by the girl you like or whatever <laughs> and work through these feelings. And so I just, I just did it and I didn't, it was so interesting looking back. Cause like, I wasn't embarrassed about it. I, but I was just like, this, it, it is so pure. Like I, I can, I am so full of ego and ambition sometimes. And a lot of times and, and I have to repent <laughs> of that a lot. Um, but yeah, there was just this pure, like, I just like it. And I didn't mm. feel the need to show it to anybody. Like, I think I showed my parents once and this girl I was dating at the time once, but I was, I just loved it. And it was just this like mm. pure fun thing that I did for myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, and then later that like, 
kind of transformed into this. But yeah, it was just a thing I did for fun. Yeah, that makes sense. I think for myself, I found that drumming is kind of like that because I know with a lot of folks, they need something like a band or something to motivate them. And I've just done that because it's like something that I really enjoy doing. And like once you start drumming, it's like ingrained in your brain. Like I'll just like be like sitting in church and I'll be like, that'd be something fun to play. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and we live, yeah. we live in such like a capitalist world and now that art's my job I think about like oh like how do we monetize this like how do we get something from it and it's like so beautiful yeah because it's just something that is and it and it feels yeah. good and something really special about that definitely it's when art can just be art it's very special but like also the fact that we can have so much art and like the fact that people can do that as a job is also amazing <laughs> yeah 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 that's crazy I spend I think I'm mostly over it but I I spent a long time really feeling guilty and struggling of like oh man there's people like there's people who might die today who probably will die today because they like lack access to clean water or food um or because they have an oppressive government um and I am going to try to get people to give me money for these for these little pieces of paper with words <laughs> or, or, or a cd and it and it just feels so so trivial um and even the idea of like oh like heaven and hell are real and, and there's like eternal damnation and conscious torment possibly and like really awful things and and you're like you yeah. know what i should do is i should write these poems um like it's just like sort of like <laughs> it's stressful to like think about yeah. Um, yeah yeah but then it's like beautiful that you can and there's like there's so there's like the dead poets society thing of robin williams being like oh man like math and science like they keep us alive but art is what we stay alive for mm. like the beauty is why we want to live Definitely. and and then also like there's something so uniquely beautiful and and god it's like a thing that's like like what god does where he's like constantly subverting our expectations and surprising us where like you know there's there's cities in the old testament where like oh they're they're like under siege and 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 they're all going to die and everyone is convinced they're going to die and the solution is like we're going to pray now and then and then god like delivers it's like don't sharpen yeah. your spears just pray and god will deliver them or jesus i remember uh, um uh, Shane Claiborne pointing out and here's this whole revolution <laughs> where like when when Jesus is asked what to do with the adulterous woman and, and it's like like people are literally going to execute this woman in the street with rocks like it's going mm. to be awful and mm -hmm. Jesus rather than answering yes we should do it no we shouldn't <laughs> Jesus's choice is to draw in the dirt <laughs> and it's, it's like really absurd reaction that doesn't fit and so somehow like in the face of totalitarian government and adultery and depression and suicide and death deciding to play some songs or write some words or paint a picture is like a uniquely beautiful and right 
thing to do that somehow like lines up with the mystery of God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's there's a lot of different I think like no matter what you do, there's always a way to overthink it and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah so I think it's great to hear just like as a poet here's like for all the people who think if I was a poet who could tour my life would be sorted I wouldn't have any worries or anything and you're just like I worry about the fact that I, people give me money to make art <laughs> 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 oh gosh yeah yeah it that's the truth like nobody believes it right like I um I've been listening to um the office deep dive podcast that Brian Baumgartner is doing because I, I think love the office and it's like one of my favorite shows I think it's like one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen and it's so hilarious because I'm like oh man like um these people are getting to do this full-time like that's so cool they're creating and and, it, and I've like, I've been a full-time poet, I think for like a year and a half, but other than that, I've always had to work a side job, a full-time job, like something to, to make yeah. the ends meet. And I'm always like, oh man, it would be so sick. Like listening to these people, I can't imagine just getting paid to make art. But then the reality is they were making this show and they were all like, for the first like two or three years at every day, they're like, oh, we're going to get canceled. We're going to get fired. Just like right in the middle because <laughs> everybody hates this and they don't get it and the network hates it. And that always happens. Like you're always looking to the people who you perceive to be like one step of success higher than you. But then mm -hmm. those people are just as full of practical doubts, uh, existential doubts, like spiritual <laughs> suffering. Like, like there's no step in the ladder. We're just, the human experience is like very uniform in that it seems. <laughs> yes, which is like kind of, a beautiful reality in a way that like the playing field is leveled in a lot of ways even though it doesn't seem like it is changing topics a little bit you mentioned the irresistible revolution which I actually read in the past few months oh man what did what did you think about it when you first read it so man uh <laughs> We're going in. I uh, so I read that when I was twenty two, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'm thirty one now. So it was almost a decade ago. Um. I I loved it so much. I I've been interested to wonder like if I revisited it now. Um. Just like with age and perspective shifting, like I've wondered what would what I would think of it now. Mm. Um. But but a lot of it like. I find myself quoting it and thinking about it all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, I, I really loved it then. And I think it like, it really, really inspired me. Um, so like, I, uh, I don't vote um, and I don't think Christians should vote uh, for a few different reasons, but yeah. um, part of it is, is yeah. Like the way that Shane Claiborne described himself is like, Oh, we, we're like viewing ourselves as, these people that are just trying to like carve out a home or a space in the um in the in the shell of empire i remember him talking about that and i think in in america like i don't can't speak to other people's experiences but in america yeah. like christianity is unfortunately like very deeply tied to the idea of america and mm, patriotism yeah. um and 
in, in, in like biblical Christianity. And I think in God's story, like we're a people that are set apart. Um, yeah. and in, in America, the like Christian, the Christian myth of America is very strong. And unfortunately, like, I don't think it's historically accurate. And then I also like, it, it's poisonous now because mm-hmm. we want to defend America and we want to defend our idea of a Christian world, quote unquote, like yeah. to the point where we like routinely compromise the gospel. Um, and, and they're, they're antithetical to the gospel because like, <laughs> essentially like yeah. the Christian, the Christian American myth is that we are like from a good place. We're from these great Christian men who had great, great ideas about how the world should be. And, and then we are going towards a better place. Um, and the narrative of the gospel is that, oh, you're, you're sinful. Like, it doesn't matter where you come from, but like you're sinful exactly. and broken. Yeah. And, and, and you will not make yourself better. Like no amount of good ideals or the right system or the right person in office. Like you will not make yourself better. Like the gap between you and God is, is un, unbridgeable except by God. And so I think the gospel is like so much more freeing because America is like predicating itself on the idea that we've come from a good place where we are good now and we are going to a good place. And the reality is we've not come from a good place. Like our country is built. I don't know the percentages, but it's built on a high percentage of like genocide and pillaging and stealing and rape and murder and awful things. Um, And so like, really the American story is like, we are guilty of sin and we need God. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I, I love Shane Claiborne's thinking of like, I'm, I'm not a part of this. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I know God and my place in knowing God is with my Christian brothers and sisters and with the poor. And like, I'm here to offer hope and sort of whatever these like ruling structures do or don't do. Like I have, one purpose and one mission, which is, which is God's call, um, which is to preach the gospel and, and, and to share the love of Christ. And I think, I think that was so beautiful and like transformative for me. Um, yeah. Cause I felt, I grew up in a patriotic family and, and like a very, very traditional American values family. And then I felt so sold out in, in the election cycle when in 2012, I went through this horrible crisis where I'm like reading this book I felt really sold out. And then I was also reading this book and it all sort of spiraled at once because um, most like evangelical Christians that I know would consider Mormonism a cult um, mm-hmm. or, or something that's like not Christian. Um, I have a lot of Mormon friends. I like them a lot. They believe a lot of really weird things, but like <laughs> that I think are probably not true. Um, but, but I like them a lot and I was never afraid of them, mm-hmm. but it was really hard because I like, I knew, I know Christian people who are afraid of Mormons and who think they're very bad, but then in 2012, when we couldn't find uh, an evangelical Christian, I guess, the Republican Party ran Mitt Romney, and, and he's a Mormon, and everyone was just like, yes, yes, let's vote for him. And like, I grew up with these Christians being like, we need a man who loves God in office, but then we couldn't find one, so we man, ran Mitt Romney. And so I was like, well, you guys just don't care about it at all. Then, like, this is all hmm. fucking shit and a lie. And then, then the Democratic Party, I like always have leaned blue, but then I'm also like, like there's parts of that that I can't be with. And so I was like, there's nobody for me in this thing. (laughs) And then I read Shane, there was this war revolution. And I realized like, oh, this, this system just doesn't matter because like, it doesn't matter if God's, 
if the laws of where you live reflect God or don't reflect God, like we, we just only follow God. And, and I think mm-hmm. the call of Christianity is like, you just follow God and maybe it will go really well for you and the ruling powers will dig you. And then you're, that's cool. Or maybe something awful will happen and you're a Christian in China or North Korea and they will just kill mm-hmm. you. And God says, that's good too. And so like, I just want to like be in line with God. Um, yeah. And so I guess I loved that book and I loved how Sheen was like able to like really, really lovingly like critique American Christianity and call out the ways that we're like, we don't really love this God the way we say we do. And we're not actually interested in it. And here is, here's how we might actually reflect his teaching and do the things he said. Yeah. <laughs> yes I like I love that book so much because it was I think it's really just showing how beautiful Christianity can be if we want to live it out well like like with politics and things I'm I'm not sure I'd go as far as to say don't vote like I'm 16 so in Scotland that means I can now vote so I'll have some thinking it's weird. I don't <laughs> think that I should be able to, but this is what the country does. <laughs> but, <laughs> it, yeah, but moving along from that, I think there's definitely like a lot of things that people expect the government to do, which I really think is the church's place to sort out. And I think regardless of who you vote for, I think the church is called to see the needs of where they're at and meet those needs and bring the gospel to people through that and I think that book kind of just solidified that yeah yeah dude yeah I love that and yeah I uh, yeah gosh I love that so much (laughs) and I think that's like what I want to be focused Mm -hmm. on is yeah like I love my friend said that he prays um this prayer a lot where he's like, Hey God, what are you doing? Uh, and how can I be a part of that? Or like, Mm -hmm. can I be a part of that? And I think that is so special and, and submissive that like, yeah, like I just, God, here I am, like, tell me what you're doing because what you're doing is so good. And then how do I be a part of that? And I think, yeah, like that's where our interest and focus should lie. Mm -hmm. Um, cause yeah, that's what my experience was a lot was like, I grew up in a really nice place and it was a really great place to grow up. And my life was just full of opportunity and kindness. Um, but it always sort of felt like, like our Christianity didn't cost us anything. Um, and and I think that that is really dangerous. Um, and, and I'm a terrible church attender and that's something I want to improve on drastically. Um, but the church that we've sort of been watching online, um, since, COVID happened and then we just haven't gone back in person um is in like a richer um suburb of Detroit and and I've always been very skeptical of rich people especially rich white Christians um, but it was it was really special to me because because it is a richer place and you can yeah. tell immediately and and one day the pastor was just like oh hey like um if you don't if every penny you have is not marshaled to, to towards the purpose of seeing the kingdom of heaven like come and arrive then then you're probably doing something wrong and I thought that that was so cool of Hmm. um yeah like it it doesn't matter where you are like in our yeah sorry I talk about Kevin a lot is he's been (laughs) a really big blessing in my life um but yeah we were Amanda my my wife Amanda and I um 
so we were really, really poor for a really long time. Like Amanda just grew up poor and um, then I'm a touring poet. So I am just as poor as that sounds. And uh, <laughs> I, yeah, we, we like lived very punk rock for a bit and then COVID happened and um, we ended up with these like, we ended up with really nice jobs. Like God did a really cool thing. We were in a lot of debt and we needed money to pay it off. And um, yeah, now I'm, I'm in my own apartment that has no roommates with my wife. Neither of us have ever had that happen. <laughs> um, we were sort of like feeling guilty about like, man, like we're, we're kind of like quote normal now. Like we're not touring, we're not making art and we actually like have some money and, and like the ends meet pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about, yeah, like going to church in this place and just like being in a place where we weren't constantly super poor. Um, and I, we fell into some really weird teaching about money that was unbiblical. And I, we both definitely idolized poverty for a bit in a weird way, um, <laughs> which was also sinful. But yeah, Kevin sort of, he said something really special where he's like, oh, you know, I think it's really easy to judge the mission field you find yourself in or that you feel called to. But the reality is you can never go anywhere that doesn't need more gospel. Mm. Um, and I thought that was so encouraging and powerful. Um, cause yeah, like Amanda and I don't ever want to be afraid to be poor or to be rich. Like it, or whatever, it just doesn't matter. Like everything yeah. you have should just be submitted before God to, to just do with what he wants. Cause it's his and he's capable of providing for us or giving us what we need. Uh, and that can be scary and hard. Um, but yeah, just like wanting wherever you are, like we work at a restaurant right now and I want to be a godly light to the people I work with. It's mm-hmm. not my usual, like, weird art types but like they're people and they matter and they I hopefully can point them to the Lord and and like I can learn things from them yeah and I think I think it's yeah the motivation it's it's like less about what you do and more about your what your motivation is and yeah (laughs) Kevin and his wife did marriage counseling for us and he was like oh we always like to talk about our calling because we really just like to talk about ourselves like we really all (laughs) we just have one calling and that's like to go preach the gospel and make disciples. And mm. so like realizing, yeah, that because, because I think God has very specific plans for your life, but I think sometimes we can get so obsessed with those or so obsessed with wanting to look a certain way that we miss that. Like the real thing is just, just love God with all your heart, mind and soul, wherever you are. And like, you will find yourself doing the right things and being useful for God. <laughs> Yes, definitely. Like, out one of the guys who's like somewhere between like a youth pastor and a mate. He's an absolute legend. I, I was talking <laughs> with him recently, and he was well. He was praying over me, and he was just saying like, "There's not like one right thing that you can do for God. Like sometimes God will call you to do one thing, but like it's like there's this big fence of things." around things that honor gods and you can just like you could do that or you could do that and it would all honor god and as long as you're walking with him that's all that's that's all things that he's open to you doing and is good with you doings and i think for me just like having that pictured clearly like that was like oh that's really helpful that like I don't need to feel like God is very specifically directing me to do this one thing I can just be like God is honored by this thing therefore I'm gonna go do that so 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, yeah. It's Shane Claiborne being like, Oh, we always make, we make these plans as churches and then we ask God to bless him, but he's already told us we're blessed, which is like to be good to yeah, the poor. And like, like, there's a whole list. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like that book was to, so helpful in the sense of he's just like, the church is called to help out the poor so much. And we don't, we don't even see, we barely see how much we are called to in our, first world countries where we've got so much money but really we're called to support the folks around us and to be I guess literally Christ to folks around us and I guess that book just helped me to see how much of the essentials we often miss it's like Jesus very specifically said this and it's just like you never see that though it's like we need to start yeah reading the words of jesus and be really challenged by them yeah and we love i mean i don't know what your like church background is but we it's very prevalent here and and i think probably a lot of places like we are really enamored with the idea of personal revelation uh that like oh god has said this to me um and, and we're often, we like, at least in my experience, my, myself, sinfully, and, and lots of other people I've been around, like, yeah. we're so worried about, like, what interesting thing is God saying specifically to me? And, and we don't, we're not really super concerned with his very clearly revealed will. <laughs> that's like, it's very long. And it's, yeah, it's very specific. Mm. And he's like, I'm into this stuff. And then we're like, no, no, no. But like, what about me? Cause like, cause we love ourselves and we want to yeah. hear about ourselves. And this is so good. I'm so embarrassed, <laughs> but I, I was just talking to my wife. Um, I'm so stupid. Like I, uh, so like there's, I have like, I have probably like a backlog of like, I think I have three guest parts that I owe people. Two of them are over a year old, which is very embarrassing. I've had a lot of trouble making art recently. Um, and, and then I've got two ideas for art. And then I have something very specifically that I felt like God is like, this is the next thing you should make. And I know I'm supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. But then most days I spend time being like, oh, but what if I did this for poetry? Or like, how would I make this thing work? <laughs> or like, let me find this new connection. Or what if I got this opportunity? And it's like, gosh, damn it. Like God gave you a huge list of things. And I was even, I was watching a, a Koyo or however you say that band. Like I was watching a live show and I was like, I want to, oh man, I'd be so fun to like do vocals in a band like this. And it's like, I, I have a track and it's one of the best tracks I've heard in years sitting on my phone that I'm supposed to write vocals for and like do vocals for 30 seconds of the song. And it's like, what, why? Like we're constantly like looking somewhere else for yeah. something else. Like I've, I feel like God's made that so clear to me that I'm really guilty of like constantly looking somewhere else. And he's already given me the Bible. He's already given me these other <laughs> things that I've been praying yeah. for and we're like so easily wanting something else. And it's like, he, it's right here. We already know. And, it, and it's probably more that we're self-important or lazy or easily distracted <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would really like to improve on that and just doing the basics and it doesn't need to be flashy like god's given me these things to do and this is this is my lot so i want to do it with joy and not <laughs> not constantly want something else like <laughs> yeah I, that's that's really good 
I'm curious, how much do you think the alternative music scene shaped you? Because I think there's like a lot of <laughs> authenticity in like what you say. And I think that's like very much like a big punk rock thing of just like you get like for example Memphis Mayfire just like in their like biggest album ever it's all like the vocalist saying here's everything that I struggle with or just like yeah. <laughs> like yeah. or just like which or like wage war which is like they just went on a tour with Slipknot and like all their lyrics are like here's how I'm struggling or here's another way that I'm struggling or like here's my friend that committed suicide or whatever so how much yeah. do you think the alternative scene shaped you? Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> um, first, the the Wage War, the new Wage War album is very cool. When they say the song titles as mosh calls, it's so tight. I haven't listened to the whole album, but I really like the punk rock NBA, and I will walk around at yes. work sometimes. Yeah, Finn's so tight. And I yes. uh I I will just be like manic and then just like hear the, the riff in my head. Um, uh but yeah, I think uh, I've got it in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So good. So so catchy. Yes, I love the bit where he just like is is it all up in my head and just yells and it's just <laughs> okay. but anyway keep saying what you yeah, were saying yeah um yeah i think punk probably yeah i think i think it influenced me so much it so i i was late to it um i think i really like fell into music in like a really real way probably when i was 17 uh and so i was almost out of high school i yeah. think i went to like maybe two local shows or something before I went to college um but yeah I think I think it's interesting like um it can be yeah it's really oh sorry so many so many thoughts um yeah so I fell in love with music and I fell in love with music first but like I was writing first but I didn't know I loved writing until high school at the end when I was graduating and my teacher was like oh hey Chris you're a writer and I just like really believed her um, but I loved music first and I was more interested in it before I started getting into poetry. Um, yeah, I think, I think the aesthetics of punk of, um, fairness and equality and letting everyone have their place. I think the passion of alternative music where, um, the most important thing is that you say something that's true and mm. with all your heart and that you mean it. Um, so you're, it doesn't matter if you're the best singer or the best player, like if you're saying something that's true and you mean it, uh, I think the passion of underground music really moved me. Um, mm. and I remember like seeing, um, like videos for the chariot, um, and knowing that Josh would say like, this stage is your stage, this microphone is mm. your microphone, be free. Um, I think I was really, really drawn to the the invitational nature of underground music and yeah. and, and the, the way that it's like this this is all of ours. Like like there's people who are in the band, but you can be on stage with the band, you can sing the words too, and like this art belongs to you. And and I think sort of like all at once, I was like getting into punk, 
learning more about God. And, and my poetry teacher showed us this video or this movie called Il Postino. Um, and it uses this, um, this like fictionalized version of the Chilean poet Pablo Neruda as a character. And Pablo Neruda got exiled from Chile a couple of times for his, okay. his politics. And he, he's on this small little Italian island living in exile. And it's just a very quaint, small town. And the, the, the postman is, uh, is very in love with this local girl. And Pablo Neruda writes these, he's just like an incredible love poet. And he wrote these really famous love poems. And the postman steals one of Pablo's poems and gives it to the girl to try to make her like him. <laughs> and um, it causes this big uproar in the town. And the girl's mother is like, he did metaphors to her and, and she like convinces, <laughs> convinces the, the local priest to go talk to Pablo Neruda to get him to talk to the postman. And so Pablo's like, hey man, you can't, you can't steal my poems. Like those are my poems, like don't do that. And the postman just so purely, cause he doesn't know anything about poetry, but he just says, oh, but Pablo poetry doesn't belong to those that write it, but those that need it. And like, yeah, like all at once, like my teacher shows us this video, I'm getting into punk and hardcore and all the whole thing of that is like, you can do this too. These songs are yours. We do this together. And then I'm getting closer to God. And like, that is the call of Christ. Like Christ mm, says, come yeah. follow me. Right. And like this, like I, I am, I am for you and you were, you were mine. And so like, these three sort of streams are like all happening at once. And I feel like punk, I, I, some of my, a lot of, probably most of the people that pushed me deeper in faith were all related to punk or underground music in some way. And like the, the ideals of punk are so reflective of God's mm, truth in so many ways. So I think it just like goes hand in hand. Like, oh yeah, I find myself connect, like if it's in, if it's an atheist punk, but they're a real punk, like I'll probably have more in common with them than I will with like your run of the mill middle class Christian in America. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, like the punk's gonna like say a bunch of shit about the church, and I'll be like, yeah, yeah, I agree with all that, like 100%. <laughs> and I think God does too. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think it's like very attractive to me. And then, yeah, it really guided me toward, or like, it was so reflective of God, but then it, in, so I found myself at home in it and then it really inspired me to give and share and like how I think about how art should be and, and sort of like the power dynamics of art of like, that this is everyone's and, and it, I'm not more important mm. than you because I made it. Um, yeah. I am thinking really earnestly believing like I don't have all the mechanisms worked out about it, but I was just talking to my wife about this the other day. Like, I think art should be free. Like, I think that you, every person should have access to every piece of art always because, because God, God is free. And like, mm -hmm. if we're making art, like my friend one time said that all true and lasting art is a religious experience, no matter what the artist believes, because it's a search for truth. Mm -hmm. And so I think like, we're all down here making this stuff. And it's just so illogical to be making it. It has no biological purpose, but we're all so compelled to yeah. make this art. And the art is just like trying to like make sense of what we're doing here. So like if, if, if art means something to you or it helps you, or it's going to point you to God, like you should have my art and it doesn't matter if I get paid. It doesn't matter if I get 
the like or the boost or the pump like like i was yeah. trying to point each other to to, to god and no matter what we believe like essentially is authoritarian so it's like yeah punk punk being about that about everyone belonging and 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 being able to participate was so special for me yeah i that definitely makes a lot of sense like i was talking to basically a communist stoner the other day <laughs> good start (laughs) (laughs) and it was like (laughs) it was amazing just like how much we had in common because like I was able to start off the conversation with being like yo what are you passionate about like if you could see things change in this country what you what would you want to see changed and it was just like and then I was able to bring in like how like the church is meant to be a driving force for a lot of these changes that you want to see and stuff and it was just like such a great conversation about how like Jesus went against the authority and things and turned things upside down and loved the poor and stuff and it was just like I have so much in common with this communist stoner guy whose idea of God came from doing acid it's like Yo, yeah, it's so, it's so real. Like, yeah, like there, I mean, there's probably, there's like a lot of like historical problematic stuff with like the execution of communism or whatever, but that central idea of like, I mean, yeah, like communism being like everyone gets everything they need, right? And like that, uh, (laughs) that like the book of Acts is like, so at least the portion I've read where it's like, oh, they all lived together and they shared what they had and they devoted themselves to the disciples' teachings and the breaking of bread. And if somebody was in need, then if somebody had a property, they sold it and they provided for their friend. Like, sounds a lot like communism or socialism. Like. <laughs> yeah, like in Shane Claiborne's book, um, I think he says something like the church uh, should replace the need for socialism or something like that. It was just like, I... some. he's like, so I love how in his book he just attacks both political sides he's like (laughs) this side you're so far away from the words of Jesus and this side you're missing how the words of Jesus should be changing this not the government yeah yeah because that's the issue right is like it's uh every side falls down because like they because they're always run by man and like yeah god and we need christ to be our ruler and christ to change our hearts because yeah like the love required to give up something that you have to take care of someone else is is really deep and and then the love of the gospel the love of the gospel requires that like oh you would lay down your life for your brother or or even christ like lays down his life for people who who patently do not deserve it yeah. like like the worst serial killing cannibal child eating awful person like yeah. like christ died for that person at the moment of their darkest sin and like that mm-hmm. is a love that i am not capable of of my own <laughs> like, like, uh, yes. i could talk about it all day but like to actually carry that out to actually like give up myself and for me to lose for someone else to live like like i need the compelling of christ to do that because and I think it's easy for us to do in 
small measures or certain situations, but to always do it all the time, especially mm. for people like, like the people that the ISIS members that killed the Christians and executed them, like Christ died for those ISIS members. Mm. And they're like, if they accept Jesus, they are welcome in heaven. Like, like that's a love that I, I can't comprehend and I can't muster up on my own. <laughs> so like, that's the love that we need though. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know if you know the band Disciple, but they wrote a song that's just the vocalist kind of trying to get his head around this topic of God died for the worst people and in their worst moments. And it's just like such a, the songs reanimate if you've not heard it. And it's just so good for like processing that whole idea it's like he died for these people and those people and all these people who we want to compare ourselves to because in comparison we look so much better <laughs> that was yeah. Yeah. he died for gosh yeah and that like like the double truth of like that's who he died for and recognizing that like all fall short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So like we, we like live on a sin hierarchy and God doesn't. So like, if, yeah, like if I'm like, Oh, I've never murdered someone and I've never done this, but like, if I've committed adultery, even in my heart, like I'm equal to like, I'm equally damned and equally punished. Like, and that's, that's something that's like counter to our, intuition or how we would think about the world because because some sins carry less like practical consequences than others but god is holy and and sees them all as equal um yeah so like i am yeah christ died for that worst person and then i am also no better than them as much as i might want to think that i am and there's a crazy i don't listen to sukhan stevens but uh i someone covered one of his songs at a show I played and it just ended me because the ending lyrics are, it's about uh, John Wayne Gacy, I think he's like a serial killer and yeah. he like kept people on the floorboards. And then the end of the song is, uh, and I go around tearing up my floorboards, like looking for the bodies or something like that. And, and recognizing that like, yeah, I, I have my own evil and sin that God hates, even if I think I'm different or better than this person. <laughs> God, yes. I've like carried that with me ever since I heard it. <laughs> yes, definitely. It's like the gospel is so scandalous and there's like a way that offends every culture. And I think a lot of people really don't like how it's basically saying we're all the same and it's like you screwed up as much as the people you absolutely hate yeah yeah and and the in your screw up might look different but it lands you in the same spot there's a there was some trailer for some new show on hulu and and the the like the quote in it is this kid he's like a teenager and he's like oh let's just like study everything in in human history and like let's just get it right yeah and it's like, like, that's an optimism that I like deeply relate to. Like until, mm. until I was 24 and I heard God is good. So good is what God does. Like that was exactly how I thought about humanity was just like, Oh, like we can do it. Like there's power in us and we can do it. And and then it 
like when you like zoom out and think about world history, like that quote is just so laughable and absurd because it's like, <laughs> yes, you 17 year old Zoomer kid after 6,000 years of recorded human history and literally billions of people trying to do exactly that <laughs> in countless cultures with countless perspectives. And as far as I know, on record, we have no one who's eliminated sin from their lives or culture. <laughs> um, you're definitely going to get it right. <laughs> like, like it's, it's like, <laughs> I totally get the optimism and I want to, to ask the Lord to make me a better person every day. And I think that's an important thing, but yeah, like, at the end of the day, it's just like, you're just not going to fucking do it. Like, like you just, you just need yeah. some, you need God. Like you need something outside of yourself because no matter how hard you try, like there's just going to come a time where you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to hate what you did. And, and mm. like the older I get, the more that's true. Like our friend <laughs> has a song where he's like, uh, I see other people. I see myself making choices. I despised other people for and, and I've like, I've yeah. been some places in my life in this private alone and just looking at myself and being like, I, I fucking hate myself. And I, I never thought I would be in this position, but then here I am. <laughs> and yeah. Like, and I just like abjectly need grace and like no amount of self-help or effort will ever erase what I've done or, or fix mm -hmm. these things I see in myself as much as I want to think that I could yeah. <laughs> and the beauty of it is that God chose us to bear his image even though somewhere in there he knew we'd mess up he's like you're going to carry my creativity and beauty and love and things and it's just so crazy yes yeah, like, <laughs> <it does>. like, <laughs> uh, when you think about it, like uh there's like an old older Levi line and he's like I love I love you for letting me hate you and and yeah thinking about a god that would that would do that like mm -hmm. yeah and then you like see it like a reflection of it like when you have a kid and your kid says you they hate you but you know that they don't mean it or maybe they even think that they do but then you just love them <laughs> anyway yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah knowing that god and all of his glory and righteousness would let this tiny little creature hate him and break all of his rules and be so awful but yeah like he's gonna give them breath and his image and, and it, like that's yes. insane <laughs> it truly is it's like there's so many just like different poetic concepts that have been shared that my brain is still just like processing all of it <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah yes. yeah like it's an endless and you're just sort of marveling at this thing that's so much bigger than you <laughs> yeah. yeah like recently something that God's really been showing me is just how he's a father and that's just been such a mind-blowing concept of just like this person who created everything is also my father. It's like, yo. Yeah. Yeah. He's everything. And then, yeah, something so intimate and caring so specifically about you and your life. Like it's, 
Yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and this is where the beauty of Christianity is, where there's the core of Christianity and everything else is hard to get your did I say the core of Christianity? I meant to say the gospel. And, <laughs> <laughs> and everything else is a bit hard to get your head around. Yeah, the the we know in part and then we'll know in full. Mm-hmm. And and the weirdness of like Christ, like God having this human fleshy form with a heartbeat, and he's something you can touch. Like somebody reached and touched the scar in his side, you know, like he put his finger in God's wound. But then, mm-hmm. but then also, even in that moment, like it's this like transcendental experience, knowledge through space and time. Like, <laughs> yeah, that like somehow God would be near to us. And then also so large. Yeah, it's baffling. The yeah, the, the Kevin and his wife sent us a, a Christmas card that said, like, yeah, just like hope you can like marvel in the the mystery of Emmanuel, like our God with us. And like that's <laughs> yeah, it's so uh it's so baffling and so beautiful, and I love it, and I don't understand all of it, but I'm just like awash in it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yes, I, this is, like, I don't want to close this off, but, like, I've got, like, my brain is processing so much that I don't know where to go with it. <laughs> Plus, my younger brother made, like, the best cheese pasta ever tonight, so, like, I came into this feeling like I got punched in the stomach, because I was just like, I need seconds on this. Yo, <laughs> so... I totally get that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Thanks for talking with me. This is fantastic. Uh, yes, I've loved this. Um, before you go, what can folks be praying for you? And what do you want to plug? Oh, sick. Um, plug in Jesus in an earnest and not cliche way. Uh, <laughs> nothing I do matters compared yes. to him. You can just leave this and forget about me earnestly. Um, the easy, the easy stuff's the plugs. Uh, all my art is on Bandcamp for free. Uh, it's Chris Bernstorff, and then it's just all for free. Uh, you can download it. You can own it. It's on all the streaming services. Um, I have books. Uh, my wife and I give all of our like physical merch away as a gift, too. Um, so wherever you are, if you like a book, I would try my very hardest to get you one. I could not get one to Brazil. I failed that. But, but <laughs> like I will try anything to try to be able to afford to get you a book. Um, if you want it, you can give us a gift back, but you don't need to. Um, and then everything's on YouTube, the Instagram, Facebook, socials, whatever. You can buy the book on Amazon. Um, just get it from free. Don't don't you don't need to give Amazon money. Um, and then yeah, prayer for I think um, like being able to like relax in God's goodness and kindness and defense. Uh, we had a, like my wife and I had a very hard few years and I got very like conditioned and normalized for like everything to be on fire all the time and to have like a hundred things going on and mm-hmm. most of them are bad and hard and heavy um and so I've had a lot of trouble just like relaxing and me like knowing God is good and mm-hmm. I can just trust that and like put my hand to what I need to do um so prayers for the peace with that um maybe that's just peace yeah <laughs> um and then um yeah, just prayers for discipline. Um, I'm really trying, not because it will save me or fix me or make me enough or anything like that, but like, yeah, I want to 
just have discipline, good church attendance and Bible reading mm-hmm. and, and being good at doing the things that are good for myself. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're trying to exercise too. <laughs> um, yeah. And then being disciplined to work on the art that I have rather than constantly dreaming about other stuff because it's nice to dream, but I've got a lot of really things that I think are good and feel special. So mm. I want to push into those and actually get them done instead of <laughs> lollygagging around thinking about other shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that sounds great. We'll be praying for all that. Thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks so much. Hopefully we'll talk soon. Yes. Enjoy the pasta. (laughs) (laughs) If you listened all the way through that, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed it because that'd be an absolute waste of your time if you got nothing out of it. But yeah, if you want to support this show, share this around. And yeah, because anything helps so be much appreciated if you shared it and i will see you guys in the next episode yeah i need to come out with like some outro line that i say every time but until i do i'll see you guys